y'all it's your favorite time it's episode 13 of the boondocks podcast where we are covering episode 13 of the boondocks wingmen um in which this is the synopsis when granddad's oldest friend dies the freemans go back and both granddad and huey have to learn to put the past behind them what y'all got going on oh okay yeah what is happening um gosh so much has happened in the last week, uh, but yet not really a whole lot in, this, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, let's see. McConnell finally admitted today that uh, Biden oh, won yes. and the Electoral College met yesterday, right? Yeah. yeah. And so that's there, there is no way whatsoever that this is not happening at this point, short of some kind of like violent you know, uprising of Proud Boys who, you know, the best they could do over the weekend was rip up and burn a couple Black Lives Matter signs from what I saw. Um, although yeah. there was there was some violence in different places over the weekend. So, yeah, as I'm saying, say on Twitter, I saw like a lot of videos where like they were just harassing and beating people on the streets in yeah. D.C. I was like, really, y'all? Is that serious? Yeah, there was um, there's been marches and protests at the Capitol here. Um, Same pretty here. much, yeah, pretty much every weekend, and it got it got bad this weekend. Um, yeah, babe, look, you Trump supporters, you guys are trying it, like, and you guys need to oh, yeah. stop trying it because you guys are trying it with the wrong people. Like the people well, that are going out there, the the Black Lives Matter, or you know, the, the other activists, they are not about being passive anymore. Oh, right, and they are. It, it's being clearly, clearly um, displayed physically. And so that's what that's what happened here in Sacramento this weekend. Um, it, it, to the point where I knew every weekend something was going on because I would see posts from friends and stuff like that through social media. But the fact that the you know the news actually picked up on it this weekend, it was just like, all right, guys, this is what we're gonna do, huh? Yeah, so, I mean, there's there's still protests going on every day in Seattle about one thing or another, but all of it comes down to that message of of Black Lives Matter. And um, over the weekend in our capital, uh, there actually was uh, some violence. Um, another Proud Boy rally. Someone got shot. Um, but, you know, <clears throat> at this point, I'm not even surprised about the Proud Boy stuff. Like, seeing them, because they, they come from the Northwest. So they come uh-huh. from mostly from Oregon, Washington, Idaho. That's where a lot of that. Uh, where a lot of the white supremacy movement has been coming from, coming out of. And uh, so, like, I, back in the before times, it would almost be normal to, like, see a fucking, like, Nazi in the wild. Like, I hate saying it that way, but, like, I went to a lot of punk shows, and Mm -hmm. you definitely, although 
most of the people at the shows would run them out because that's not, you know, welcome in most of those places. Yeah, yeah. But but it wasn't like, a, oh, my God, look, that guy has a swastika. No, it was like, oh, did you hear so-and-so has a swastika? Yeah, they're, they're going to try and cover it up, but they don't really care that much. Like, that was the conversation in Seattle. So, wow. Um, anyway. Crazy. So, you know, I mean, by the time this episode comes out, maybe uh, we'll be in civil war. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, you know, he, I feel like he's starting to give up in a way. Oh, yeah. Trump knows that he lost. It's not about Trump. It's about the people that have basically been brainwashed and are so into this idea of Trump as like the supreme whatever. Like that's that that's the thing. Like proud boys yeah. look at Trump as one of their leaders. So And it's so sad because yeah. he doesn't fuck with you guys. Oh yeah. A you majority don't give a shit. of you he doesn't care about. You are nope. like the slack jawed fucking hillbillies from freaking The Simpsons. Like yep. that's literally what he looks at you as. And he thinks that you're not smart, which you kind of proved his point because you voted him in. Mm-hmm. You know, and you thought that he was going to do things for you, like bring coal mining back. What year is this, guys? Why? <laughs> right? Why would that ever happen? Um, but yeah, it's, it's you know, people go, oh my God, I'm so, you know, I'm terrified for the next, you know, four years. It's not going to end. What's not going to end is the people that are just, you know, his allegiance. Yeah. He's, I, I think we'll hear from him every now and again, but I think he's going to dwindle away, you know, um. I've, and only mention when they have to mention former president. Nah, he's, you know? he's, if he doesn't get put in, pr- in federal prison, then he's going to have his own media empire. Like, he's already started. It, it's, oh, you're so nice to say empire, girl. We don't want to, you know. That's, well, that's, that's his intention. <laughs> the whole yeah. thing, all yeah. of this shit was so that he could build up enough people to give him money to keep doing the shit that he wants to do, which is be a celebrity. He doesn't want to be president. He just likes what comes along with the presidency, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is the popularity. It's all about the popularity for him. So the fact that he He lost. He had no desire to actually win. Like In the initial, right. But, But when he lost this one, he's never lost before. And I don't. I don't believe that he's become like unhinged or whatever, or like muttering under his breath like some rumors have said i i think that he knew right from the beginning okay i've lost but how can i spin this and Mm -hmm. what he's Mm -hmm. done is rake in millions of dollars on this false premise of fighting the election results and about uh um the the runoff vote in georgia yet none of the money that he has raised is going toward anything to do with either of those things it literally can be just put in his pocket so yeah like this is the the end game is popularity and money with this man he does not give a shit he is worried that when he gets out of the presidency that he's going to be arrested that is the only concern he has at this point yeah or protecting his kids from being arrested i think Um, he cares more about himself than his kids i think that if they gave him a deal and he like if he talked on them it would happen I don't I don't really think he cares about his kids. So you think the whole like I'm going to be working to pre pardon my children, like whatever they, you know, like two weeks ago, I I remember hearing that he was working on, you know, enacting a pre pardon for any crimes that his children could be 
could be brought up against him or them from during this time or after this time. Uh, that's completely not legal. <laughs> I, yeah, that's all. Well, of like, course, no, like, no. I mean, I mean, like, no, 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 like lawyers have pulled that right apart. There. Lawyers have pulled yeah. that apart and tried to figure out if it could happen, and there is no legal way for that to happen because yeah, I didn't think the so. the, uh, yeah. the ultimate outcome of the pardon is you have to admit that you did something in order to get that pardon. So. If he was to, like, say, pardon Rudy Giuliani for past deeds, Rudy would have to say, yeah, I did these things mm -hmm, so I can mm -hmm. be pardoned. Mm -hmm. and, and But are, will you be surprised, though, if in his final days, which, which is what I think is going to happen, like how Bill Barr just stepped down. Like, I think these people are going to suddenly say, like, I did A, I did B, I did C, so they can just get those quick pardons. And then Trump will, I don't think he can pardon. Well, I don't know. I've also seen debates on if he can pardon himself. <laughs> But um, I do expect a lot of admissions of guilt and a lot of pardons being given out. And um, in terms of his kids, I agree with you. But oddly enough, because I think Donald Trump is a real life narcissist. Oh, yeah. Oddly enough, I think he does care about um, Ivanka. Oh, yeah. I think he's he in love with her. her. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, gross. Like, the, right, come on. Right. Like, he's, he's. When he married her mother. It was all about this tall, beautiful, blonde-haired goddess. Like, that's what I remember when I was a kid of, mm -hmm. of that relationship. Like, he looked at her like a goddess. And then when they got divorced, he had this gorgeous daughter that was growing up to look exactly like his mother. Mm -hmm. And he's fucking gross. And we gross. all know mm -hmm. that, like, he's... Uh, what was it? Uh, person number one or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, individual <laughs> like we, number one. We know. Mm -hmm. We know. Uh, we know that allegedly he's you know been. Uh, uh, he was a regular uh, visitor of Jeffrey Epstein's island, where mm -hmm. you know there's mm -hmm. literally like he met his current wife at one of Jeffrey Epstein's parties, and it has been proven that she worked for him. So when you put two and two together. Anyway, mm -mm, mm -mm. Uh, <laughs> I'm wondering, like, I'm wondering how many so times much. she woke up and he was just sitting like on the edge of her <sighs> bed, you know, brushing her hair out of her <laughs> face. Like he's just, I, yeah, I, I mean, come on. And yeah, it's very weird. Like you guys yeah. should never like hug in public. Like you guys shouldn't do things that normal, you know, fathers and daughters with normal relationships do because your shit just highlights how completely um, dysfunctional and weird that is. Yeah. Um, and then the, the poor one, Tiffany, like that nobody <laughs> even knows exists. Right. Like that poor uh -huh. child. It was like, she um, doesn't know. What was uh, the, the reality series, The Osbournes, where the oldest daughter was like, nah, I don't even want to be a part of this. And then nobody realized that she was a part of the family and it was yeah. awesome. <laughs> like that yeah. would be me yeah. if I was ever around like a, like a friend who had, who got famous. I'd be like, I'm not signing any of the releases. So anything you film, <laughs> you got to make sure I'm cut out. <laughs> Uh, yes, that was like the Jenners, the oldest Jenner, you know, son until yep. that's I right. Think he that's got a little, right. he got a check from uh, keeping them the Kardashians, and all of a sudden, you know, him and his wife were always on the vacations, and <laughs> you know, all that shit. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that was for a whole different reason. Like they they were all aware of, you know, Bruce and yeah. uh, you know his his mm. his his desire, um, and so I think that was hard for him. I know that um the cute one Brody I know that Brody's talked about it you know and Brody was like I didn't want to have anything to do with it you can like, say cute one I have no idea what you're talking about oh Brody's like, so cute I okay can 
can just for a second, I know that I don't usually comment too much on celebrity culture, but there was a commercial on CNN today for a migraine med, and I am staring at the fucking woman on oh, the Chloe. screen. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. did not know where I recognized her from. I'm like, who the fuck is this? And eventually <laughs> came out. I'm like, that is not Chloe Kardashian. What yep. the actual fuck did she do to her entire face? Because it's yeah. completely different. I don't like it. I don't like it's it. I think really she was weird. Cute before, um, I get that if you want to, you know, because she did have a little bit of a, a you know, roundish, Miss Piggyish features um, before. Mm-hmm. But I still think she was really cute. I well, I, I think she was pretty. I think her personality helped that as well. But then I think she looked the least Armenian compared to Kim and Courtney where they have very strong features. Um, and then they enhance that by, you know, plastic surgery. Right. So I think that's where like her, you know, hers came from. Plus she want to stop being told that she looked like OJ. Right. So, and being mm-hmm. called the fat one. Cause yeah. um, excuse me, that, that woman at her heaviest, probably still a hundred pounds lighter than me at my lightest. So like <laughs> she was like a 14, 16, which is average. You right, know, at her right. heaviest, and probably. Even like, I don't even think she was that that size because I wear a no. fourteen sixteen, and I do not look like what she looked like. So yeah, yeah. like she was she, more likely like a ten. So yeah, yeah, probably ten, twelve. Yeah, and people would call um, her fat, and like I, I can understand if you have basically an entire world telling you that you're fat and ugly compared to all of your beautiful sisters, mm-hmm. then it's gonna fuck with you. But Oh yeah. my God, it was, what was the name of that one reality star like years ago who she and her husband like basically got so much plastic surgery that neither of them look like each other, like who they used to be. Um, oh, Heidi yes. and Spencer. Spencer. Yes, Heidi oh. and Spencer. That's Gosh. what it reminds me of. Like, Let me tell you about some Heidi and Spencer. They, <laughs> so my, our really good friends um, uh, and my son's godfather's. He worked in Pacific Palisades at a uh, Wells Fargo and they Spencer was Spencer and Spencer's parents were his clients. You know, he he dealt with the high, you know, high quality or high. Uh, what do we call them? High rollers. <laughs> I don't know. I know the Vegas. Kind term. Of high <laughs> yeah. High value. There you go. High value. Okay. <laughs> so um, his dad used to come in and just talk to. My, you know, my friend and would be like, oh, my God, like him and Heidi are going to have to continue doing social media and stuff like that. He says, because th- th- they've ran through their money already trying to live up this whole, you know, socialite. Let's go to the nightclub all the time. And um, and then when shit kind of hit the fan, when everybody was like, well, you're old, nobody cares about you anymore. Then they really got a crazy dose of reality. And I remember that the dad came and would you like $150,000? And he's like, this is the only money that they are ever getting from me ever again. Aww. And then shortly after she was became pregnant and I don't know what they're doing. They're trying to be regular now, but they definitely, I mean, Heidi looks so much different from when she looked on the very first season of the Hills. Um, I, I only, v- I remember that she was very like um, girl next door and turned into like playboy playmate. That's literally yes. the, the last that I remember about her. Yeah. Um, I had no idea about the rest of that. Yeah, I'll go. Are you Look, I, at? Yeah, I didn't pop know they Passionista. Had kids, but... I used to blog under Pop Passionista. I'd say, you know, I am a pop culture whore for sure. Like, I don't <laughs> care who it's about. I talk about these people like I absolutely know them. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, 
I, I love those shows though. Like I, I live for OC. I live for Laguna Beach. I live for the hills. I live for like all of that. But also 90210 was my shit. So I think that's what all, you know. Well, in that, that makes some sense too, because when you talk about like the real housewives and things like that, they're like the, the, the fake real version of the fake show that you used to love. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, but God, they should have. I mean, their stories just aren't as good as the ones that they used to write on, on like nine hundred two and zero and shit. Like, oh, Hill and OC, <laughs> so good. I could watch that right. Actually, it's on Hulu. <laughs> I think that will be my next show that I start to binge. Is the OC? I loved that show. Oh my gosh. I used Little to. Adam Brody. I was in college, and my friend and I we used to drink a box of wine. Yeah. Each. Wednesday when it came on, I mean a box girl, we lit off a box of wine. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Don't let you know how broke Ooh. we were. We thought we were doing with a box of wine. Honestly, someone these uh, days box of wine is good. <laughs> true. <laughs> Go ahead, Lindsay. What were you saying? Oh, I thought I lost you guys. Yeah. Um, someone was tweeting about um, Peter Gallagher, Sandy yes, from the OC. Yes, I love him. They said his hair in uh, American Beauty was inspired <laughs> by Donald Trump's wig. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so I tweeted, well, Donald Trump's wig needs to call Peter's for some tips. And Peter liked <laughs> it. And that was a highlight <gasps> of my day. Shut up. Because I also was an OC-obsessed person i love sandy like oh my gosh mm-hmm. what um seth was is my absolute favorite yes, from that show Adam though brody i yes, yes. loved him i love that i knew the name but i didn't actually realize that peter gallagher was in that show because i never watched that show but i recognized the name and knew exactly who you were talking yes. about <laughs> yes yes oh my gosh and did you know if you were a gossip girl lover as well that adam brody so married oh i did um, know him yeah yes married blair from um, I did not. Yes. Yes. But it's, I don't, it's so weird because Blair's character was so similar to Summer's character from the OC. So much. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Just weird. I like Summer though. I think I like Summer a little more than, um, I loved Anna. So I was very, uh, we can move on to the, I, I, I was very disappointed. I really have no idea what they're talking about. Now, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Everybody's like looking like, is it the Bone Dogs podcast? <laughs> Right? No, like, okay. All right, we're done here. We're done. We're done with that another time. Yes. Our love of, you know, white teen dramas. There you go. Uh. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny uh, to kind of tie those things together because I can do that kind of shit. Um, like, I feel like those white teen dramas are what Huey's friends or Huey's friend thought that he had, like, moved into. You know, like, the suburbs with yes. the white people. Like, that's what he was probably white imagining. Crest. You know, the the rich, snobby white people and like I don't blame him. I guess I, I would probably think the same thing if my friend was moving from the inner city to the suburbs of another state. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it um still an it, asshole. It's though. so funny because that if you guys remember if you've ever had a friend that, you know, you for some reason or another you guys lost touch and when you guys thought you were still cool, then you found out that they were in their feelings about it. Yeah. Um, and of course it's because kids at that age don't know how to decipher the feelings that they have. So for him, he was a little jealous, I'm sure. Um, yeah, we had never heard of him before. So obviously Huey wasn't staying in contact. 
You know, Although, um, Huey Huey said that he had tried to message him a couple of times, and uh, his friend was that. like, ah, "I was busy." You know, just yeah, like yeah. I think Huey started to realize maybe that his friend was kind of ghosting him, but was hoping that it wasn't true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I do know that his new friend got on my damn nerves, though. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Dewey. Well, I feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Like, okay, like, we, should, <laughs> we should, yeah, probably just play. I mean, it all flows, but we should probably play the Huey v. Um, Jasmine yeah. conversation just to kick this off. Yeah. But I'm going to get to see my best friend, Cairo. Cairo is your best friend? Yeah, but I haven't talked to him since I moved. How can he be your best friend if you never talk to him? I don't think I have a best friend. Huh, sucks for you. Well, you'll never come back. Have a nice life. Bye. Oh, and and before that, she's like, do you want to come over and play? Do you want to come over and watch TV? You want to come over? Like, she's basically like, mm-hmm. come on, friend. Contest? Let's go and play, friend. And he's like, mm. you know what my husband said? He said, he didn't even realize she was throwing it at him. Right? She was throwing it. I was like, <laughs> It's, uh, uh, she's like that girl yeah. that's like i you know i shouldn't invite you in but if you want to yeah no, I you're gonna go okay she, bye. Has a crush. <laughs> she i mean i think that she's more um of riley's age than huey's but yeah. you're always when you're younger you always like the older brother so i think she definitely this was the first time that i, I looked at it like that and i go wait a minute i do think she kind of has a crush on him but i don't know if she was throwing it at him like hubby said so I I think because he tolerates her and and like kind of <laughs> talks to her and hangs out with her, I I think she does think that he's her best friend. Yeah, like she yeah. doesn't yes. she doesn't she doesn't kick it with Riley because Riley's into Riley stuff, which is and she's like Huey's cool and doesn't judge me that I'm not you know into whatever. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. like she in that moment was like. Right until this moment, I probably would have said you were my best friend, but I guess I don't have one. And he was like, oh, well, boy, you don't see anything here, do you? <laughs> right. But I I think even in regards to Huey as a friend, they're kind of showing you his point mm-hmm. of view. So Jasmine views him as her best friend. Even if he doesn't feel the same way, he's just oblivious to her feelings whatsoever yeah. and only concerned about seeing his old friend who he hasn't been talking to that much. And it's just kind of showing you, I guess, that Huey's a little bit of a self-centered sort of friend mm-hmm. or like a friend who doesn't, you know, you don't, I don't need to text my friends all the time, but some people, some friends need that constant connection. Yeah, that's true. He's open. Yeah. yeah. Especially at that age. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I think with her being, you know, biracial, probably played a little bit more into it as well. Like finally having like that acceptance from somebody who's completely black. You know what I'm saying? And somebody's mm-hmm. from the city. And I guess mommy has more clout. You know what I'm saying? Like, who, who's definitely more official. Um, so I think that kind of plays into it as well. It's it's actually funny. Um, Dean earlier was reading the comic and he, you want to tell what you brought up to me? Yeah, it, I was, <laughs> there was a scene of, of Jasmine and Huey hanging out. This was in the comic strip. And uh, he's got a an afro pick in his hair and she's like what's that and he's my afro pick you want to use it and she goes no why would i need that he's like you well you're you got an afro and she's like no i don't and she is so opposed to any idea about that and so he decides he's going to have an intervention 
So he goes over to their house and, uh, Sarah, the mom opens the door and she goes, can I talk to Tom Dubois? And, uh, it's a black thing is what he says. Uh, <laughs> and she goes, uh, and she's like, well, you know, I've, I've worked for the NAACP for so many years and I, I might be able to help with a black thing. He goes, I, uh, 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 that, uh, I need that. I need to find out what I can do about, um, Jasmine being, uh, an Afro denial. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, then, right. and then Sarah turns around, Tom Huey's at the door. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I, I think it's, funny. I thought the reason why I, I wanted him to retell that is because, uh, it, in the comic, he hangs out with Jasmine a lot. And so I can absolutely see her as, as seeing him as, you know, her, her best friend. Um, yeah. but also he's, the one person who's completely different than everyone she's probably ever met in her entire life. And her idea of blackness is, does not resonate with her, like her own self image, which I can mm -hmm. relate to very hard. Um, <laughs> showing it to me. Uh, yeah, it's funny. Um, so in the comics that I've seen with Jasmine, with a single ponytail in the back, that's what my hair looked like when I was a kid. It would be slicked back and then a giant Afro ponytail, essentially. So, like, I get it. I know this feeling very well. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, uh, I always, I had a good friend when I was growing up. Um, and, was, and she was biracial and had just beautiful long hair and just, you know, her skin tone. And growing up in, you know, a very rural town, um, like Elk Grove. I used to do things like wear a, you know, a sweatshirt over my butt because mm -hmm. that wasn't what was attractive to all, you know, to all the boys there. Not until I got into high school. And I was like, girl, you better take that sweatshirt off. Banging back there. <laughs> uh, Dean but I was always, <laughs> I was always just very um, envious of my friends that were biracial and felt that they had it much easier. Um, and, you know, having a child, having my oldest son who's a, you know, a little representation of Heinz 57. He's everything. Um, I remember asking him when I felt comfortable, you know, approaching the subject to him, like, how do you feel being biracial? And he's like, I don't know. I know that I'm white. And I know that I'm black. You know, he's like, I know that your food's spicier than when dad cooks. I know, <laughs> you know, but he very much relates to, and as he's gotten older, I have more serious conversations and he very much relates to, and he sees that everybody sees him as a black man. Um, but he just sees himself as Jalen, you know, he doesn't, yeah. yeah, he doesn't, I think he's just a great representation of, of both of his parents. But, um, I do tell him like, you know, you're down in LA, you are fair skinned, you are, you know, very, very, very handsome. Um, you know, your girlfriend is blonde hair, blue eyes, you know, needs a very serious tan, but she's a sweet girl. <laughs> um, and you know, you have to remember that most people are going to look at you and go, what is that black man doing with that white girl? You know, not go, oh, he, he's probably Portuguese and, and Hawaiian and black. Like, they're not going to look at him like that. So, yep. you know, I have to, I have those conversations with him and he's pretty, he's pretty well adjusted. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's a topic that once black people as a whole, once we become a little more succinct and become feeling like we're whole, then we will probably start being able to deal with, you know, the issues that biracial people you know, uh, deal with, um, and bring that more to the forefront. But yeah, I think it was, a. Uh, 
Jasmine's a good representation of that and where we were in what year was this? 2004? Yeah. Five. Yeah. I, I <laughs> where Woodcrest reminds me a lot of the Seattle that I grew up with, not the Seattle that's now, because now it's Amazon and Google and all of that. Yeah. But like when I was growing up, my house was almost surrounded by woods and we were right by the freeway and we were at like the tip of Seattle, which isn't even true anymore because the lines have moved by like four miles. <laughs> um, wow. But like you had bigger, like nice houses, um, not as big as like grandpa's house, but like single story of that basically. <clears throat> and there were no apartments. There were no, except for like some low income housing down the street by the mall. Um, and it, it's, it's funny. Um, like I feel like, and I've said this before on, on the show that like when I was growing up, I very much was like Jasmine, um, because Jasmine presents and thinks of herself as white. Um, mm. I'm not light skinned enough to kind of have that from when I was a, when I was a kid, but I bought into the light skin privilege that somehow being lighter skinned was better. Um, and you know, that got turned on me hardcore as I got older and actually met black people. <laughs> so that was fun. But uh, like, but I probably would have fun. reacted the exact same way as Jasmine. I didn't think of my hair as an Afro. I, you know, the the black people that I knew that I wanted to become friends with when I was younger, like they didn't look at me as a potential friend because I was biracial. I don't want to say that's what Huey's doing because I think by the end of the episode, he's like, yeah, you are actually a good friend. But like... He might not have considered that before because she's a girl and she's younger and she's biracial. Yeah. Oh, long way to get around to what I was, what my no, point no. was with that. <laughs> I feel you on that. So do you, did you ever have anybody, um, just interested to know if anybody, if, if a adolescent was, uh, was, uh, connected or aware enough of their feelings to tell you like why they felt like, maybe you couldn't have a friendship or they didn't understand where you were coming from or anything like that. Did you ever have anybody Not until high share school. Share that? Or, maybe, yeah? Okay. yeah, definitely in like my junior, senior year of high school because um, I became kind of like a queen of the weirdos. <laughs> and anyone who knew me back then would Fabulous. definitely say that, like sitting on a rock, smoking a cigarette or a joint, listening to Tori Amos and just like dancing with, my friends Victoria. and they can't even yes. hear what I'm dancing to. But like, it's, I'm, I was a weirdo. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, like I remember um, in middle school, the black, the black girls would not hang with me because I liked rock music. Um, and then the white girls who also were in the same type of music as me didn't believe that a black person could like the kind of music that they did. So they didn't wow. want me. Oh yeah. Right to my face. Um, and, you know, even going through that, I didn't realize until much later what that was doing to me. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I, there, there are a lot of things that I can look back on and go, oh, fuck, that was racist as fuck. That was racist and that was racist. What are you? And is, 
Is your grandmother Indian? I, I see Indian in your nose. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. What? What? My nose looks Indian? Okay. What does that even mean? Like, <laughs> so. Like, I'm so happy that you're into, you know, um, anthropology and everything that you could tell me. Right? You know, about bone structure. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely have a thing there because um, there was a lot of um, sub-aggression um, and the behavior that that was displayed. And I don't think that my classmates it it was just what was kind of rooted in yeah you know this is what they were hearing and this is what they saw and you know oh yeah I like rap too and you're cool you know we hang out and you know my fellow my football teammates black and I like him so it kind of made them absolve to you know what they were saying mm-hmm. were thinking but yeah and, um, I know my tenure I definitely took some opportunities oh me a too of, uh, <laughs> yeah after a couple of Bombay Bombay back then. I don't know why. <laughs> but after a couple of Bombay drinks, I definitely. Uh, uh, I just, I, I literally had my tits practically out, and Dean, like, we were newly dating, but like, I, I don't know. At, uh, yeah, we'd been together. We'd been living together a couple months by the time I had that. Um, and uh, <laughs> so I was just like, I got a hot rockabilly player, and my tits are gorgeous, and you wish you were me. And, like, <laughs> I love it. I totally had that attitude all night. (laughs) Good. And you know what? People were probably like intimidated and like, who is she? Like, I really wanted my reunion to be like um, Roman Michelle's. Oh, yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah. So much. But I just wanted it to be (laughs) retribution in a way. And it's funny because I didn't really need it. Yeah. You know, same. But you kind of realize. Yeah, you realize how much high school and that time fits into who you are, you know, as an adult. Oh, sorry, guys. The Warriors game's on TV as, <laughs> as right now, too. So this is like basketball. I love the war- hardcore Warriors fan. But um, so, yes, back to, back to the- uh, um, what I did oh. love, what I did want to bring up. I know it's not one of the quotes, but what I did really like is how um, you got to see a slimmer, a, a glimmer into their past life. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that on to whoever it was that, you know, called. Aunt Cookie? Yeah. You know, to be able to <laughs> kind of see, you know, just another form of who they are. And they still didn't really touch too much. And, well, not at all into like their parents or, right. you know, they didn't go by their house at the what they lived in. But it was just a little teaser. Yeah. Just a yeah, and actually that that brings up kind of something that I I was wondering. So we we're going on the assumption that Riley and Huey have lost their parents somehow and the money that came out of that is what granddad took to buy the house, right? Okay. So if this community that they're going back to to mourn one of their friends knows that Riley and Huey's parents died, and that's why they had to move away. Why was nobody talking to this kid, this friend of, of Huey's, and saying, why are you angry at him when his parents died? Like, I mean, and I, this probably sticks in my head because my nephews, my youngest nephew has gone through a really hard time with 
losing his dad and then losing his mom and moving up to somewhere where he doesn't have anybody but his grandparents and his brother. And, um, like, I can understand how isolating that is to have, you know, a family member die and you have to leave what you've known because of that. I, I see Aunt Cookie, you know, uh, with Huey going, you know, it's just going to have to take some time. He was hurt really bad when you left. He, what? He was hurt? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, was, I don't know. You know. What I kind of think it is, is um, within the black community, you don't really get involved in your kids' mm-hmm. little shit. Like, you, you kind of let them learn by themselves. The only time you get involved is like, like me and my best friend, so my best friend to this day, we got in a fight my freshman year in high school. And... My mom said she saw it coming because we were we were going in and we were trying to like figure out who we were. We were like getting into different groups of friends and whatnot. And so I remember that day when we got suspended, not only did I get suspended, um, and then I had to go home and deal with it, but then they made us sit and talk, like and figure shit out. And I was like, Won't y'all mind your own business? But I realized that's the only time that I feel like parents get involved in their kids' you know, business or like friendships when they're black. Like, I just feel like anything else, they're kind of like, you'll get over it. You have friends that come and go. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's kind of it. And the fact that um, I think they were also trying to set up that Huey's so much more, um, he was just stronger. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he just seems like he, he's less emotional and he's less affected by things. So I think it was it's like a sprinkle of both. But that did kind of cross my mind, too. Like, nobody's really caring. Like, Grandpa didn't right. say anything, you know, especially at the end where he headbutted him you know, took that cheap shot. Right. Um, Although yeah, you know, I did laugh say, like crazy when Riley was like, you got knocked up. Uh, Never mind. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted Riley to whoop his mm. friend's ass because I felt like Riley wanted to knock him out like from jump. Mm-hmm. Just walked up and saw him. Uh, um, yeah. But again, though, I also do want to comment like to MJ's point, yes, that's my same experience coming from a huge black family. They ca- parents kind of back off unless you do start to throw hands. Now it's a thing. But like I said, starting from jump with Jasmine and Huey, they are kind of giving us a glimpse that Huey is concerned with Huey in a friendship. Mm-hmm. And so even how he says, like, they do make reference to I called you a few times. I reached out a few times. I don't think he was really probably keeping up with this kid much, even in his grief. So, like, you know, think about it from a kid's perspective. Like you said, even if you are that friend who's dropped, you may not possess the empathy or emotional development to really kind of think outside of anything other than you've been abandoned by your, quote unquote, best friend. And this is where every school system in America fails its children because they think that learning math and reading is more important than having a counselor available to children mm-hmm. who are going through things. Like uh, we, we actually had to raise money with the PTA to get a full-time social worker at our school when we have like huge population of, of, of trying to think of the right word, unhoused at my school. Um, a lot of children who are pretty new into America, some fresh from refugee camps. And we still had to raise our own money for someone who would be able to work with them on that social emotional level that every child really needs to learn a lot. Um, You know, one thing the pandemic did do, at least in my district, is it shifted the focus more from um, 
drilling for testing into the social emotional learning that every student needs right now. Um, and that's, you know, I'm, I'm really, really happy that our, uh, our superintendent has decided she's not going to, uh, to ask for an extension of her contract or whatever it is. She's basically resigning. Um, because I think that she's been, she's, she's been wrong more often than not, in my opinion. Uh, but when it comes to that, when it comes to realizing that, I mean, shit, kids need that in a normal world. But right now, especially, you know, a lot of, a lot of kids are grieving not seeing their friends. And when that, what worries me is hearing, you know, that it's your experience, both of your experiences, that um, parents maybe don't pay attention to that end of it as much in in black families. Like I feel like that's going to be where uh, where you really start to see the deficits between kids that are thriving in the pandemic and kids that aren't. I guess, um, like. So at my school, if a student in, in online learning has not shown up for two days in a row, it's an automatic call to talk to a parent. It might be a send the family support worker or the social worker over to check on them. Um, because we are a small community that really focuses in on that. Um, so I'm really happy that, you know, the kids that I love are probably going to be better equipped coming out of this than a lot of other kids. That's, it makes me worried. And I know I went on a tangent there, but really what it comes down to is like, I'm looking at, I'm looking at Huey as this, he's, he's still obviously sad about a lot of stuff and he's internalizing a lot of stuff, but he's also had to grow up so much in this short period of time that he now sees, even if, you know, his old friend Cairo thinks that this new guy Dewey is, you know, some kind of, I don't know what do you call him, a poet revolutionary or whatever. Fake woke, <laughs> the fakest woke person. Right. Right. What was it? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, salami, eggs, and bacon instead of uh, assalamu alaikum. Jenkins. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, yeah. So, what's up? Yeah. What's up? <laughs> Struggle is up, brother. Oppression is up, brother. Salami, eggs, and bacon. <laughs> my name is Dewey. Oh, ba ba ba. Ooh, mama say mama say mama kusa. Jenkins. Nigga, what? <laughs> oh, this must be the famous revolutionary Huey Freeman. Isn't this the brother who used to be your homeboy, but then he ran away to, what was that? Whitecrest? Uh, Woodcrest. Whitecrest? Nah, nah, I didn't Yeah, know. whatever. So, brother, where your poems at? Huh? How you gonna call yourself a revolutionary and you ain't got no poems? If you were really down with the struggle, you'd have your sandals and capris on, brother. Where your head wrap? Where your sandals? Where your capri pants? What's going on? <laughs> oh my god. 
Mama say, Mama Samu Makusa. <laughs> yes, um, thank you. I can't say it. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's like one of my all-time favorite songs by Michael Jackson. Like, I, he's not saying real words right. for half of the song, but it's great. Um, my best friend and I still have a dance. So upset whenever we're together and we've been drinking, and um, we start a Soul Train line and we start to do our routine. And he's like, oh, thirty-two years old. Pass when you guys made this up. Um, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. But um. Uh, that says so much about the dissension or the divisiveness that we have within our own country, you know, because you feel like you've read a couple of more, you know, African pieces of literature or, you know, you belong to the Pan-African Alliance or something, then you are better than just living their existence being Black, you know. Um, it's uh, and it's, it's funny dear white me, people. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's funny, like, what they call people, you know, they call them, like, hoteps. Yes. Or, you know, um, and basically, they're a black version of hipsters. Mm-hmm. Why is it that they do all have, like, a uniform? Like, why <laughs> they really do. is that what makes you who you are? Like, why does that counter or, you know, couple with your thoughts, or your viewpoint on society? Because you wear sandals and... Like, what? <laughs> you know? Um but yeah, so I, I was curious to actually ask, you know, coming from um, the East Coast and here, have you seen like a progression of, you know, this individual, you know, just in, in different, um, in different aspects, you know, aspects, you have the East Coast version and then you have the West Coast version, uh, the Bay Area version and, you know, the, the, the East Coast, the New York, have you seen have you known people like that where they just really, really, really live this kind of judgmental? Um, you know, I think system. it's changed a lot. And if we want to talk about in terms of back when the boondocks was on the air, I think it's changed a lot across the board, which is that a lot of black people have stopped. Like even when you guys were talking about mixed race um, or how like you guys were seen in high school, I think a lot of this black people measuring other people's blackness has slowed down across the board. Um, I think like now you'll meet a lot of those black people out there in their Birkenstocks uh, doing their sandals in a park somewhere. And it's not so much judged anymore. I think black people as a, as a, as a monolith, they're more (laughs) woke now, woke now to the variety of uh, black experience being different. Diaspora. Um, Did I say it right? (laughs) I finally said it right. And I just even feel like, you know, through media, uh, through shows like Blackish, mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah. you know, everything, people are opening up to the fact that, yo, again, we're all very, very different. We do just have some shared experiences. Um, like even how when you guys were talking about high school and being mixed and stuff, it was always funny to me. I talked about this on our intro episode that I went to a really bougie, expensive school. Mm-hmm where a lot of other black kids would tell me I wasn't black because I listened to Herman's Hermits and I liked musical theater and this sort of stuff. And I talked like a white girl, but it always tripped me out because you guys lived out in these big mansions in the suburbs. And, you know, it's what did you do this weekend? I went to Grease Ridge Mall. I shopped and I did this and I did that. What did you do? Oh, we played uh, hide and seek around the block. You know, like we were doing hood shit. And to me, like, hood shit was like my measure of being black to them 
listening to rap music and, you know, sagging their uniform pants was their definition of being black. But we were all dumbass kids. You're all fucking black. (laughs) So knock it off. But to your point, yeah, it's just I think in general, people are just more accepting and open of it. But what I think Dewey is doing to Huey is absolutely trying to stunt on him saying he's not black enough Mm -hmm. because he's not in touch with his African roots. He's basically saying I'm the new you. Like yeah. I replaced you as his friend yes. and I'm more woke than you are. Like I'm, I'm, I'm the mm-hmm. newer version, you know, because, you know, trying to say, oh, this is the free man, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, I know kind of like, <clears throat> I know your namesake, you know, Huey, I know where that comes from. I know the power that he held, but now I'm the example of the black power that's held, you know, because we're, we're woke and we are, we maybe, I was expecting him to say that he ate vegan or something, you know, <laughs> I was uh, actually, I was waiting for yeah. that. I was totally waiting for that. So um, that's a it's a that's a great point. We have, as we always do, kind of evolved, um, and I think that definitely comes with education. I know that like a different world was a huge inspiration for me to want to go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like that. I think the the experiences that Black people are having now are so much more aligned to what traditionally white people had then it's not so crazy, you know, um, for there to be, you know, different black people, you know, I'm saying for everybody to have different experiences and grow up differently, you know, for some of us to live in a, not just lower, you know, lower poverty level, but middle-class and upper middle-class. And that comes with certain lifestyles that comes with certain areas. So that comes with you being able to move to the suburbs. Um, so that changes, you know, yeah, I think that's awesome point. And, And I think that was kind of being touched on even Boondock. You know, even this was mm-hmm. years ago, it was being touched upon then. Um, but in a way that it was like, let me sh- let me highlight this, but then also let me counteract how stupid you guys, you know, like society is as well. Like, yeah. These are the positives, but a whole lot of fuck ups, which you have like Ed, you know, and uh, the other guy mm-hmm. to, to kind of prove. Yeah. Remy. Yeah. It looks so good. Um, Boondocks <laughs> podcast sponsored by. <laughs> right. Ooh, I'd be totally into that. Kidding. Right? We all oh. would. If they could send us chicken tenders each episode, or um, Ezels. Let's do Ezels in here around here. I like that. Do y'all have any Ezels down there? Uh uh-uh. uh the name alone. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> so, oh wait, I oh so Ezel's chicken used to be like the best chicken I have ever had in my life, and then the the guy and the girl that owned it split up, and the wife got to keep the name of the restaurant. So the guy with the original recipe actually does Heaven Scent, I think, or Heavenly Scent, or something like that. Whole new chicken chain that's that started up around here. Oh wow. <laughs> They're but, like, he's like, look, I know where my you know, bread is buttered right, at chicken, so right. I'm going to continue on. I oh, do find God. it funny, though, that she kept the name, which was his name. But anyway. <laughs> she's, like a, she's like Tina Turner. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> you know? Yes. Well, I mean, that's awesome. And especially that they can, I mean, I don't know if they ended their relationship, you know, in nah. good terms. But when you have a business and you're married, like, yeah. oof. You know, that could definitely bring up some. But. Look, remember when I come to visit, the places you're going to take me to. Mm. Oh, yeah. I'm going to take you down to the south end of Seattle where the actual black people live. 
and we'll go to actual black people stuff because where I live, it's all white people. <laughs> no, no, I like white people too. So. Oh, I don't uh, you, mm. take me to a dive bar. Like I, take me to a dive bar with oh, just cool white people. Girl, I will take you to a good dive bar, not something around here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like seriously, You're like, like get that in your head. My right my here. neighbors right are NIMBYs. My neighbors are NIMBYs, which is not in my backyard. Uh, uh and it's it's ridiculous. The, they are they are the epitome of of white liberal do nothingers. Um Oh that's and we'll just move on from there. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so so the I other to ask you guys about oh, the theme. Oh sorry, no, go ahead. I was going to say the the other main storyline in this was uh, the friendship between um, Grandad and Mo. Uh, you know, it, the episode starts off with Mo's dead, Mo's dead, yeah. because uh, Grandpa was so well, excited that he outlived job. him, and they still decided to go back for the funeral, even though Grandad was like, I don't care about him, because he might get something in the will, and you know, that whole storyline <laughs> was interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's very telling, though. That's kind of what happened. Um, I'm sure it's in every community when somebody passes away. You have so many bad things to say about them when they're alive. But as mm. soon, you know, as they pass away, then there's nothing but great things to be said. And, um, you know, I, I think that's just human nature. I mean, who talks about the dead? But then again, Me? well, I, hey, look, I was going to say, you got to <laughs> tell the truth. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to tell the truth about who people are if you are celebrating their lives, you know, to say. Um, right. So, yeah, I like that. Everybody was trying to be cordial. You could tell that it was trying to keep Grandpa in line. You right. know, she had read that damn, that eulogy that he had written. But no, no, she, so, it, so. Wait, go back a little bit because you are jumping ahead. We, we've got clips about the yeah. eulogies, but, and we don't yeah. want to quite get there yet. But, like, there's a whole part where, where Granddad, like, he's telling the story on the plane about Mo being an asshole, essentially, and, um, you know, almost killing Granddad. And then, you know, they get to the funeral and he sees that his medal with his name on it is being put up as if it's Mo's. And all of his old friends are saying all the things that he did was actually Mo. And it's it's the civil rights thing all over again, where, you know, he was right there with Rosa Parks, but didn't get any recognition. You know, he did all these things in World War Two, but it was yeah. this other guy yeah, that got very, all the credit. Very, very eventful life. That's what I was thinking when I was watching this. I was like, oh, yes. he was an air pilot, you know, air, oh. pilot, an air fighter. Oh, yeah. And uh, and just to kind of cap off what we were talking about in a uh, previous episode, young granddad. No glasses matches the the side of the house, so yeah, mm. it, yeah. It absolutely too light skinned. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> too light, too light. No, I still don't believe it. So um, I definitely look at that today, but then I couldn't picture the painting. And um, I already told my husband he was right last week, so I didn't want. To. <laughs> so <laughs> no. I get so, it. I get and it. That, um, Don't forget, too, Granddad was courting, um, what's her Maybelline. face at the funeral? So, Maybelline. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Which, Maybelline. oof. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And she remembered uh, Granddad. She remembered yeah. him very well. <laughs> and then, Which was funny like, because nothing ever happened. Right? I so, think, yeah. 
I, I think had it like that. I apparently, apparently, I mean, he didn't remember her name, but he knew he was in love with her. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that um, Granddad's taste was a little bit in the players category. Um, if this girl was like giving her number to him and making out with him, and you know, maybe doing more stuff that was implied. Um, yeah. And uh, for that time, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it because hell, he, grand, granddad did not actually ask her out on a date. No, so never. right. Nobody asked for her number and never called. Right, her. exactly. So there's there's all kinds of things going on here, and you know, granddad's point of view was this this woman who his, whose face he can't remember, name he can't remember, but she broke his heart. So yeah. that's that. You know, it's. That's the thing that his friend did to him is his friend broke his heart by stealing his girl. I think grandpa had, has a lot of regrets of, of things that he, you know, just desires that he wanted and things that he wanted that he didn't for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, that's part of why I think like kind of get, let's Riley get away with shit because as we've said before, he's living through, him, you know, in a way. And it's such that, a new yeah. time. Yeah. It's in such a new time where there's videos where asses are on your TV and you know, and it's okay for you to date a younger girl who may or may not be an actual prostitute. Um, you know, so for him, those I and these little flashbacks and this little, you know, these stories are giving you that that look into the introspective and grandpa. You know, like live your best life. Like he is still a happy guy in his experience now, but he definitely has some regrets about things. Um, and that plays into his relationship with me as well. I think. Because he never got his shine, you know what I'm saying, in, about things. So, another regret. And, um, you know, they had this adversarial relationship where Mo probably didn't think of it as negatively as Granddad did. I mean, Mo did end up calling him, like, what, an asshole or whatever. But it... it just last it week. It was just last week. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'll be last honest Tuesday, with you. I'm, like, <laughs> I will call my best friend an asshole to her face. Yes. Uh, I will call him an asshole. This man sitting next to me, like pretty constantly, like our engagement yeah. photos are us flip, flipping each other off. Yeah. Like literally, that is what we did all those years. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I mean, it's very, it's very indicative of um, male relationships. I think, yeah. you know, in a way. I, yeah. Um, I have a lot of that. I get a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Being the guys NBA. don't call each other. <laughs> yeah. Guys don't call each other and talk on the phone for two hours. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, um, I asked my no. husband all the time, did you this talk is... to your frat brother? He's like, why? We talked last right. year. I'm like, last year? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, what? No. Um, that is Dean, <laughs> his best friend. Oh, my God. Hey, did, did you like, did you did you know that that so and so is engaged? What? Yeah, it's on his social media. Oh, yeah. I haven't talked to him in a while. Well, yeah, you should call yeah. him. Oh, I, I talked to him a you know a couple months ago. It'll be fine. I'll talk to him like I don't know Christmas something like that. I don't know. Yes, like, yes. What? What? There was a comedian the other day <laughs> that had the like best <laughs> jokes. I don't remember who it was, but he was like men's text conversations from when they're twenty to you know compared to when they're forty are way different. You know, he's like when they're twenty, it's like oh, did you get with that girl after the club? Oh yeah, I did. You know, or are we gonna get on that freaking you know Xbox freaking you know contest we're gonna have or whatever you know oh i can't wait to get to vegas and then when you get 40 oh it's kevin hart who said it when you get to uh, being 40 you're like um oh man you guys know um my stomach's been hurting lately and i don't know what's been going on maybe i should go to the doctor 
and there'll be no response. But then like two weeks later, I'll be like, man, maybe it might be that gastritis. Like, <laughs> a, a, you know, conversation. Yeah. And I'm not doing the joke well at all. I'm just, you know, but. That's gout. right. Oh, it was gout. gout. Yes. <laughs> We, yes. Yeah, we just saw that not that long ago, did we? Yeah. What's gout? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I know when you're 20, it's like, what's gout? You know, but in your 40s, it's like, ooh, that's bad. My auntie had it. Or, you know, um, and that's very true. Like, that is so very true. And that's just another major difference between men and women. But I think that was the the display there that Mo had love for Grandpa. And I think he he enjoyed pissing Grandpa off. Yeah. And that was the, you know, that was the temperature of their relationship. Yeah. Um, so yeah. then this, uh, uh, so this, this next clip then would be um, Mo from the grave talked granddad into giving a eulogy and even wrote it for him because, you know, he knew that he might need a little help. Yes. So, so kind. <laughs> Mo Jackson was an asshole. <gasps> oh. Mo Jackson part. was a petty, <laughs> immature, selfish man. Oh, he was good at one thing. That's bringing the worst out of everybody he met. I came up here because I thought Mo wanted to make things right. But it was just one more chance for him to make a fool out of me. Yeah! And that nigga owe me five dollars! Uh, he owe me money. Please. please. <laughs> I think it's time for a poem. <sighs> So, so funny. I, so the part I was referring to, obviously, was right before that clip where, you know, uh, it was like, <sighs> Mo paid my rent over 50 times. And like, like all these outrageous claims that just got bit, getting bigger and bigger until Granted finally was like, fuck him. And and like ripped up the eulogy and, and then said that that little part there. Which I think if more, you know, funerals and eulogies were straight honest. Um, you know, it would be, everybody gets up there and they tell a funny story that makes people remember, you know, all oh, that was them. But I think if somebody got up there and said, like, okay, my 30 some odd birthday, man, did it way too hard. And it <laughs> carried out of the VIP with vomit all over me by one of hubby's frat brothers who just threw me over his shoulder with vomit and everything. And the next day, everybody was like, that was so much fun. Lit. Best thing ever. I want that story told. I want somebody to be like, do you remember when that bitch got so drunk drinking Tito's to then going to Hennessy like she knew she wasn't supposed to, you know, put like start together. <laughs> like that, you know what I'm saying? Like that's the kind of stuff I want the truth. You know, I want mm-hmm. people to go, oh, you know what? She kind of procrastinated sometimes, but she came through when you needed. Like really be honest yeah. about who that person was. Gra- you know? Grace uh, was Grace was like that. Before she died, one of the things she made all of us promise was that we wouldn't turn her into some kind of like hero or martyr. Like we wouldn't tell all of the silly stuff. Like we would talk about, you know, the way her nose would flare when she would get pissed off, but you could tell when she was winding up to rip someone apart. And it was like, just that, like she wanted, she wanted people to remember her as she really was, which was a sometimes raving asshole bitch. But most of the time, the most like, sincere and um loyal person you would ever meet yeah like that's right the kind on. of thing like nobody's gonna sit up there and go she was so beautiful and blah because fuck that that's not real shit so i get yeah. i get what you're saying completely i i agree with that um yeah. i think though like a, a dual thing going on here yeah. which is funny because i'm of the opposite thought i've talked a lot about what? this on our other podcasts um <laughs> 
love my daddy to death. Y'all, my dad died from COVID recently. And my family is very upset with me to this day because me and my sisters and my brother were kind of like, oh, wow, yeah, he lived a long time for a former crackhead. And, you know, they were just really outraged by that reaction. But it's the truth. Yeah, I mean, it's Um, the truth. And that's like, it's it's like an accomplishment. I I mean, sorry. Like, crack is a joke. And people, they had a hard... life when you were when you smoke crack like you did a lot of things that people would but not want to admit but for you to come out on the other side of that that you know yeah and he lived a long full fun beautiful life but i think what they're saying here i guess this episode was kind of checking me myself because i'm unforgiving when it comes to slights um (laughs) i'm unforgiving when people do fuck shit like mo was doing to granddad i am very like oh my god i can't believe tiara did that I will never speak to that bitch again. You know, and I am that girl. I kind of but am I think too. what they were trying <laughs> I think what they were trying to show though is when you become that person, right? Like if I'm just always popping off, oh my God, Lindsay's such a piece of shit. Every time she's around, she just talks about herself. She's such a piece of shit. Do-do-do. If you become that person, you have to keep in mind, like, even with my dad, my mom says, everyone knows about what your dad did. You know what I mean? Like there's no need for me to kind of tell these Every stories now it. that he's passed, yeah. right? And he's yeah. not around. To defend himself. Everyone knows the truth or how they say. Everyone knows Mo was an asshole. Everyone can read that's granddad's award. So yeah. sometimes you got to just kind of back off and you know what? I wouldn't do it. But sometimes you got to back off and just let people have it. Um, he's dead. Like granddad said at the beginning, you won. He's gone. So there's no point in kind of being this petty person and mm-hmm. fighting this battle. You just look petty. And, and you're the one that's still here. So you're the one that's giving right. energy to it. That can be detrimental. Instead of you, I, I think that what what it reminds me of is one of my favorite movies, um, Imitation of Life. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. Please go <laughs> see it if you haven't. Um, and not the very first one, the like second one that was in color. Um, it was from like 1950s or something. Okay. But um, I don't want to ruin the whole plot, but basically what happens is that there is a funeral. And at the funeral, one of the main characters... She has to use that service to forgive, you know, the person that passed, but more importantly, to forgive herself and to start living better for herself, you know, and the rest of her existence. And I think that's what going home ceremonies or funerals or however you want to refer to them, that's what they should kind of be. You want to celebrate the life, but as an individual, if you have something that needs to be resolved or that needs to be, you know, had uh, looked at dead in the eye and, and, um, handled that way, but this is your time to do it. You know, it's kind of like a time of retribution and forgiveness and whatever avenue or level you want to, you know, you want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that kind of reminds me of that. And obviously that's what grandpa decided to do because, you know, he kept a nice little gift. Um, mm-hmm. right. so and put his picture up. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, uh, before we go to the, the very end, let's do the second part of his eulogy. Here's the thing. Relationships are like people, I guess. They begin, they have adventures, they grow old, and they die. Me and Mo both made it to old age, but we let our friendship die way too young. And that was really stupid of us. Now, (laughs) I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest. Um, I feel like even if Mo, like, thought that this was all good natured or whatever. Like I personally would not stay friends with somebody who was like that. Uh, um same. yeah, I it 
it's almost offensive to me when someone is continually like pranking or dunking or like that's just not it doesn't work with me and that's fine if it works for you cool that can be your friendship so the fact that they fell off being friends i was like okay well that makes sense they're two completely totally different personalities and you know at the end when he's like you know maybe we shouldn't have done it like yeah the shit that they fell out over maybelline wasn't something that should have necessarily ended a good friendship. Yeah, so trivial. Especially because he didn't remember who it was. Right. But was <sighs> this a good friendship? To granddad? Yeah. Not so much. Yeah. Maybe to maybe Mo thought that it was that good, you know, ranking on each other relationship. And they just were never speaking the same language because, you know, I I <laughs> like especially after the the stunt with the shooting him in the airplane because he was shooting with his eyes closed and shit. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. No, mm-mm, no. <laughs> like, well, this is right. I, think, I think, think women women learn mm. women <laughs> learn that people you teach people how to teach how to treat you. And mm-hmm. you know, women get to a certain age and it's like, dude, I don't need my 15 friends that I thought I needed. Like, yeah, yeah they were all my bridesmaids, but I really need these five close bitches because <laughs> they get me. And I can say this. I have a hard time letting go of, of friendships and mm-hmm. stuff. But when I do, I'm like, ooh, man, that <laughs> saying is true. Like, everybody is in your life at a time for a reason. And if that is a limited time, they serve their purpose. So move on. You know, but I will say this. If, they, you know, there's been friendships that I've given up in the past couple of years. If some happen to come back around with the proper apology. Mm, uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I... I would look up to it because I, you know, I'd be open to it because there are, there, you know, there's history and things there, but if there is nothing you can bring to my life and like, I don't have a fleeting thought or moment about like, move on, you know, we move on. I will nod at you when I see you in public, but other than that, have a blessed life. I'm just not going to be a part of it. Um, and I think for men, it just ends with men. It's just like, yeah. Oh yeah. I was friends with that guy. Oh Yeah. Well, and I think social media has changed that, especially since the rise of Facebook, which was not around when this show, I don't believe it was around yet. No. Yeah. Um, But the way that with Facebook, it's almost like you feel bad when you unfriend somebody. But really what you're doing is is trimming the bush so that Mm -hmm. you're not getting overgrown. Like that. Yep. Yep. I, trimming the fat. Yeah. Yes. It, like, I go through probably once a year, I'll go through my Facebook friends. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't talk to you this year, unless there is some like real big reason why I feel like I want to keep that connection. Like mm-hmm. I do intend to see you again once the pandemic is over kind of thing. No, I've, I've definitely gotten rid of a lot of people that way, but I've also had, you know, some of those people come back a little bit later and go, Oh, I thought we were friends. I'm not your friend anymore. And I'm like, oh, we hadn't talked. So I didn't know. Oh, well, I always loved seeing your stuff. And I'm like, oh, in that case, I can totally keep you on there with the understanding that I don't have to try and pretend that we're still friends. Mm-hmm, Just it's mm-hmm. nice to know that you're still alive. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, my biggest thing as an Aries is I don't like when people try to make me t- like them. Yeah. Like I'm very off. Like, <laughs> don't. <laughs> Like that shit gets on my nerves. Like that makes me like not like you even more. Just let it be, you know. Um, but you know, now social media. I think I keep more people now because of my brand and you know the persona and podcast listeners and you know things like that. But if you are, you don't 
add anything to my life. If you are detrimental, if I see a post of yours that bothers me, you know what I'm saying? Whether it be a social issue or mm-hmm. political or whatever else, I'm okay with letting you go. Yep. Because it's just, we're not meant to be a part of each other's lives, yep. you know, in existence. And I'm okay with that now where I was not okay with that. Shit, my 35, you know what I'm saying? Like, but um, I know that, you know, my space, I think was the first, you know, the first time that you'd be like, oh my God, wait, I'm not friends with them anymore. Or do you remember like your top eight, yeah. top 16? Like oh, how yeah. I used to it just was fret over that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. gosh. I mean, I had oh like, my God, whole, I'm not in her top eight anymore. Yes. I had a whole <laughs> formula and like a Excel tracker and all this shit oh. to be like, who's going to be, who's going to be in my top eight? And then when I expand to 16, it just made life a little bit easier. <laughs> um, but that's when we started to be conditioned to likes and yeah. to numbers and to, you know, the being so, uh, having so many friends and, you know, you can have 700 followers. You literally may only talk to 25 of them, <laughs> you know, so on a daily, but. When I was in roller yeah. derby, that was totally fine because I could have, you know, 700 people who all knew my name because RollerCon, but like, and going to RollerCon, cool. I'll see you again. Yeah, everything's great. But now that I've retired from roller derby, I don't, well, <laughs> hopefully I'll get to go to Vegas again someday, but I don't go to Vegas every year for RollerCon. I don't see those same people the only ones that have stayed since i retired are people that i actively like still talk to and you know very few people from roller derby have stuck around that i haven't at least kept you know like a facebook friendship with like i put that in quotes because you know i'm that's what it is that is what it is yeah and yeah. especially facebook this year friends. yeah Especially this year, because we can't go and hang out with our friends and we can't Mm -hmm. travel. And a lot of the friends that I've made over my lifetime do not live in the same city as me. So it's really like, you know, my my best friend lives in Portland. My other best friend lives in Vegas. I can't go and visit either of them. So I'm, you know, I'm really, really fucking lucky that I live with my other best friend. Um, Because... Oh yeah, sweet, no. Sweet. I tell I tell him that shit all the time. He's also an <laughs> asshole. It's okay. <laughs> but that's why he's your best friend, though. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Only an asshole could put up with me full time. So, hey, that's um, my, that's why my husband says he's game an recognized I'm game. <laughs> yeah, right? There you go. I like it. I like it. I'm gonna start having a uh, Russ's song "Asshole" be like the ringtone for for <laughs> hubby, and then like the notification for for Dean. That's what I'll do. Um, be like, oh, it's assholes in my life. No. <laughs> I'm an asshole. You. <laughs> uh, but so taking funny. it back to relationships, though, like in the eulogy, I think granddad's speech is what this whole thing, what everything you guys are talking about right now, yep. what this whole episode is all about, which is how different relationships are person to person. Jasmine thinks Huey's her best yeah, friend. Yeah. Huey doesn't even, if I never see you again, deuces. Bye. Um, or so he Huey fronts. Thinks, or so he fronts. Yeah, like I think, right. Yeah, you know. Huey thinks Cairo is his best friend. Cairo ain't fucking with you. You mm-hmm. haven't talked to me in in years. I have friends I haven't talked to in years. You show up in California. Oh, where are you? It's going down. We're gonna your family. It's like yeah. nothing ever happened. Mm-hmm. But some people don't feel that way. Yeah. Um, Granddad and Mo, like totally ass. I think they both genuinely did not 
like each other. I think they both were in a rivalry, um, but I do think they're war buddies. So there's this sort of level of love between them, no matter what, and that they were holding on to each other, even if Ooh. in a negative kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. So that's why Grandad at the end kind of, you know, comes around and does his thing. And then finally, yeah, you close it out again with Huey and Jasmine. And like now she's clowning him the way Huey and Riley always clown on her. And Huey can't take it. He can't hang. He can't handle that shit because he is attached to her. Yeah. And that's kind of the realization there. But it's just all about how, you know, relationships are what they are. They don't fit in a box. No one set of rules apply. And that's just what the episode is all about. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Well, shit. I definitely. I definitely <laughs> that was a really nice wrap up there. That was kind of perfect. <laughs> right? <laughs> Like, great, but yeah, I'm trying not to. Ch- I'm gonna put down my damn notes. I got nothing else to say after that. <laughs> I'm trying not to cheer on the mic, but the Warriors are coming back. <laughs> so fucking good right now. This fourth quarter has been <clears throat> fire, and I am trying not to like yell. <laughs> and if I do, just know that we just we closed it out, especially because it's against the freaking Queens. All and right. goddamn, it sucks being in Sacramento and being a Warriors fan. But going to Kings games because Kings fans are assholes and very judgmental. I said it. I mm. said it. Um, I can't tell you how many times we were told, go back to the ghetto. Go, and I was like, motherfucker, I'm from El Grove. What are you talking about? <laughs> and they're called the Golden State Warriors. They're not called the fucking where Oracle is Warriors. Like, shut. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, and I will say this for all the listeners I'm not a bandwagoner. I lifelong Warriors fan grew up in a household I know all about run TMC don't you know don't don't challenge me if you know but it's a good game I'll just say that all right basketball season oh I'm I'm passionate about cannabis sex and (laughs) sexual health my family friends basketball and music not in that order (laughs) so sometimes (laughs) okay All right, so yes. let's uh, let's before the uh, the game is over. Then let's go ahead and uh, get into our white people question of the evening. Uh, so and and real quick, uh, speaking because speaking of Jasmine, who I love, I love her little voice. I mean, Gabby Soleil is adorable back then, and I just loved her. But uh, also speaking of Jasmine. Uh, I don't know if you saw that uh, Dennis Guggen, who's making the pop vinyls, has has mm-hmm. been working on Jasmine, yeah. and she's fucking awesome so cute so cute jinx (laughs) but it's so cute totally so so cute so yeah big Um, shout out to dennis he's he's awesome yes yes dennis i mean i can't wait i would love for the new year (laughs) to be be dropping some special ones here for you know three beautiful queens i I don't know i want to see an mj one i definitely (laughs) like i would wonder what color hair he would choose for the right one (laughs) he has to use that paint you know that heat activated paint so that like it can change yes like the hyper color (laughs) yeah so it'll be like blonde and you touch it and it turns pink or something that would be fire Mm -hmm. all right (laughs) so uh what i've got is more it's more of a uh kind of a out of touch (laughs) <laughs> someone who's not who's not paying a lot of attention and or it's actually it's something that i've seen come up yeah. here a few times lately but uh, i i haven't noticed much going on with uh blm lately uh does that mean that they've they've won have they won something oh. are, they, they, are they done <laughs> yeah you didn't know everything's uh, equal right Black people are getting their reparation checks we're getting our 50 right, acres right. And we're lining up for our mules pretty soon 40 acres 40 acres um, and a mule that's right 
I, you know, they, they're giving us 10 extra because, of, you know, just extra, extra shit. So oh, those, are the, those are the COVID <laughs> acres. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, for sure. You didn't hear what? I mean, you weren't at the parade. I mean, come on. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, but, but real talk, the, it is, it, it has disappeared from a lot of people's, um, point of view because it's not all over social media. It's not trending on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. The evening news doesn't talk about it too much unless there's, you know, a fight somewhere or something. And I think because there's more unity, there's more than just those who are like, I'm BLM. <clears throat> I belong to the BLM chapter of Sacramento or whatever that are in the fight right now. Like there's, there's, you know, there's walks of life. So I think that's why there's less focus on just BLM. Believe me. I mean, if you go and look for it, they are still touting them as like a terrorist. They're still being mm-hmm. touted as people that are doing wrong. And that's just not the case, you know, for, for the, but that's my opinion on why, you know, no, we haven't won. That's cute. But, um, it's, it's just because we actually have more people that are allies and want to um, help see change and foster change. And people are um, actively working, like the fact that there was such a huge turnout in black communities this year was not solely one person. Like you hear uh, news people saying, oh, Stacey Abrams did all of this work. And, you know, uh, what's her name? The mayor of Keisha Lance Bottoms. Yeah, Keisha Lance Bottoms. Like you hear specific black women, especially being called out as as being these huge like um like uh uh, um, motivators to get all these black people to come out and vote. But the reality is, more black people went out and voted because of the Black Lives Matter movement, because of everything that has happened, not just since George Floyd. That's that's when all of the allies started really kind of because they actually saw everything in real time for the first time in their lives every day on the news because we were stuck at home in this pandemic and they didn't have anything else to focus on. Um, Now a lot of people are trying to go back to normal life. And so they're forgetting about the things that were their center of attention when they had nowhere to go. Um, But yeah, the, the voter turnout was a big one. There's a, there's a huge movement down in Georgia right now that's working toward getting um, early voting. If you are a listener uh, down there, early voting, I think has started. Um, and make sure you vote by the the 5th of January. Uh, if you're waiting until the 5th of January, that's too late. Please just go early voting now. Go. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's, and depending on what city you're in, shit, I know Seattle Black Lives Matter is, is fighting for um, um, getting housing for the homeless in COVID, the homeless that are getting, that our city thinks it's a great idea to chase them out of parks because they have nowhere to go. So let's take all their stuff and kick them out. I don't know. Um, <laughs> our mayor is also going to be resigning after that. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> like, it sounds sure. like to do it now, yeah. expeditiously. That would be great. Um, yeah. So do you guys know that? Um, I think it's American Fi song. It might not be her boyfriend. He don't know oh. anything mm-hmm. about her. 
too stoned, Nintendo. Yes, uh, that's what happened to Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Just like, and I, you know, we're all fucking guilty of it. Me too. Black Lives Matter was a movement before the movement was titled Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. right? It's what the media focuses on that we all tend to gravitate towards. We all hate sex trafficking. Uh, but we don't talk much about sex trafficking until Jeffrey Epstein gets busted and then it's on our minds. Now we're all anti-sex trafficking. We want to go after Pornhub and this and that. Valid. All it should be eliminated. But I mean, in this to me, like I can get into some of my really conspiracy theorist shit. This is what your government does. This is what your media does. It keeps you so locked up in the rat race that you're not so much paying attention to all of the horrible things going on around you. And it yep. becomes easy to just put these things to the back of your mind. This includes Black people even Mm -hmm. within the Black Lives Matter movement. Yes, it's always on our mind. You know, this is our life. We live this. But uh, getting out and protesting, all this kind of shit, it just falls to the back burner. It's not cool. It's not okay. No, we did not win. Please don't ask dumb questions like that. You don't say, have have we won the war on uh, pedophiles? You don't say dumb shit like that. It's an ever-present issue. I literally saw that the other day, though. Like Somebody was arguing on Twitter that Black Lives Matter was a terrorist organization and they were going to win because Joe Biden was elected. And I'm like, well, first of all, Joe Biden probably doesn't think Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization, but no. he more he more likely would than, you know, like okay. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> he more than likely wouldn't care unless it's like attention grabbing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not he's all you have to do is look at what he's doing in in placing cabinet members. And how almost every single pick has been a extreme centrist or someone that he's worked with before. So we just should take it on faith that that person would know what they're doing because they know how to work together. Like fucking Buttigieg today getting a cabinet position. I was like right there. He got his payment for like completely uh, sinking Bernie and any chance Bernie had by piling on. With him and Warren, oh, yeah. and oh, they're yeah. like, "You did your job. You did your job." Yep. So when yep. they went to him, just like when you know when when Harris when she decided to drop out, I was like, "That's because they told her, girl, you're about to be a running mate." Yep. So can you fall back so that we can do this? I mean, it's it it's very obvious, and you know when they do certain things like that, Buttigieg definitely they are priming him. They are priming and prepping him to be a candidate, and. I think he would be able to, would I, in the next four years, probably not, maybe eight. I, I could see it. Um, I feel like he is like this generation's, you know, JFK, but you mm, know, Reagan, being Reagan, gay man. Um, he's, he's, but, re- he's intersectional, intersectional Reaganomics. Mm-hmm. That is Buttigieg in a, in a phrase. Like he's, he's queer. He understands Black Lives Matter and supports it, but he's a fucking centrist, like, conservative essentially and he had a lot of issues i remember when he was running um in the primaries like a lot of people black people were saying like that he was completely dismissive um i've heard that when they were yeah when they were like his um shit i can't even think of the word i keep wanting to say conglomerates and that's not the word um basically (laughs) when he was yes yes there you go like they said he was completely dismissive rude would write them off He's a career politician, ladder yep. climber, like, that kind of yeah, shit. That's why they're going to prime him. That's why they're like, let's go ahead and get you working with all these black women um, mm-hmm. who, you know, snaps to Biden for that or to Harris. Because, you know, basically she said, look, fall back, be the picture, be the face of, 
but we're about to run this. Like we got it. Me and my girls. Like I feel like it's it's a you know a black sorority is about to be running the country, and I am super excited. I can about actually that. kind of believe uh, that. <laughs> I, I, I you know I feel like it. It he <sighs> is going to be told what's going to be happening. He's going to be called to meetings. And they're going to go, okay, president. So, no. you know, and he's okay with it. I think, I think his wife is probably going to have a very large hand in what, you know, what goes on, especially with education. Um, so I'm excited. I, you know, I feel like this is kind of the, what we're getting to as far as being able to have a woman in the White House really in true power. This is a, a little glimpse into that. So yeah, I've never the, been more excited for January. The the biggest problem I have is that right now, a lot of because, OK, so but right before we sat down to record um, there, the 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 news on MSNBC was talking about uh, John McCain's former aide, who was a lifelong Republican, had switched to independent a couple of years ago because of the treatment of John McCain when he was dying has decided to become a Democrat officially today and like, you know, did all the stuff to like change his party to Democrat. And the way he was talking, he was like, I know I'm going to be like one of the more conservative Democrats, but, and like basically saying that the Democratic Party was so widespread. And this is exactly what I've been saying. It's so widespread that it encompasses what the Republican Party used to be. And that's the mainstream Democrats right now. And so you've got all of these people who are way to the left of our current administration who voted for our current administration because it was against Trump, not because it was Biden and Harris. My worry, my, I, I, my, what I think is going to happen is both the Republican and the Democratic Party are going to split into two and we'll have four parties by the end of this or we'll have a nightmare uh, because I don't believe that leftists are going to be in any way satisfied with Biden and Harris, who are complete centrists. And I don't think, you know, the crazy, like Trump, like hardcore Trump cult supporters are ever going to be okay with Biden and Harris. And, you know, I, I feel like the next four years are not going to be very productive for the U.S. if we are able to do much at all and we don't have civil war. Um, the fact that Parler is as big as it is, despite all of the stupid shit that's been happening there. Like, there are literally thousands of people on Parler calling for civil war, like talking about how they're ready and they want to join the fight however they can kind of thing. And... Like if Trump was the backlash for Obama, I worry what the backlash for Trump is going. Yeah, and I can definitely see that. I just think that, excuse me, we have such a large number of, um, like the you know the next generation um, that wants to see the change and like wants to foster the change within our you know our political system, and <clears throat> those are the ones that I, I could see it for the next four or eight years. Maybe there's some effects but i think beyond that we're gonna have people that are in the decision making um positions and as far as people that vote that are going to foster the change that are going to 
make it where <clears throat> our democracy looks different. Um, and maybe it does begin with the parties. I think taking away the labels, you know what I'm saying, is something that's going to occur because we know that not defining people by standards and labels is something that, you know, that younger generation, they can't stand. And I would even say our generation in a bit. So I think that when you take away the name or labeling of something, it takes away its power. So I can definitely see um, that concern. I just think that, unfortunately, a lot of the people that will be trying to dish out the backlash aren't the smartest and productive uh, individuals. So it's like they'll have a plan that never you know, they'll just do a lot of talking about it <clears throat> on private, you know, social media sites or, you know, whatever it may be in their, in their private blogs, you know, um, that can, can, that can be yeah. the hope. But a lot of the, a lot of the right wing, uh, scariness that's happening right now is being organized on. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm having a lot of trouble just in general looking at things optimistically anymore because you know everything um, yeah. so i very much could be looking at this with as much pessimism as the last eight months have drilled into me but you know on the other hand it feels scary especially here's, as a black person there's one thing to be optimistic about trump and allies are one and sixty and yeah. post-election litigation so yes and thanks to thanks to mark elias so you got like a little crush on him i do he's he's fucking awesome <laughs> him and the guy on msnbc with the glasses the um right no 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 the younger oh steve uh cornacki cornacki yes steve cornacki yes he's like my boo my boo cornacki yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. Your boy crush. That's cute. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I love it. Oh. Yeah. I just, I, I think overall our biggest hope is for us to have nothing but positive thoughts and manifest, you know, the existence that we want to happen. So I, I'm going to stick with that. That's going to be my, my hope more than, you know, than fear. I like it. Um, yeah, you know, we've come a long way. So it's kind of that to that, you know, question we won, you know, and, <laughs> you know, we're all lining up for our reparation soon. So, no. right. <laughs> um, Can I close I, it out with the most pessimistic opinion of all? Okay. I had to do I love it. Your opinions. That's okay. Hey, I'm going to smoke a joint after this. So we're all good. <laughs> it was a global pandemic and America was hit the hardest. And your government, granted, yes, with Trump at the helm, but your government gave you like what, twelve hundred dollars? And they're still Man. fighting over giving you money. It, they they want to they want to let the companies off the hook who put people on, in their jobs unsafely and didn't care, and who were making bets on who would die and shit. Yeah, those are the people that some of your government want to take that care of. This is me off. They're not the ones struggling. No They're shit. the ones that were still, you know, that were complaining because they weren't able to go to their fucking summer lake house mm -hmm. and, you know, have a all out rager, you know, or the ones that have to wear a mask when they go into Whole Foods. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, literally give it to these people that are being evicted during a pandemic. Give it to the people where it shouldn't be normal that there are full little cities 
of homeless people living on the side of the freeway. And it's completely normal. I can't tell you. I could tell, like, easily, if you said, this exit on 99, which is the highway out here, I'd be like, yep, there's one on the right. This exit on 99, yep, there's one. Like, and it's with full barbecue grills and, and mm -hmm. you know, meat lockers and stuff. Like, this is where people are living. This is their existence. These are hardworking people. They're not, you know, crackheads that ruin their lives and that's why they're on the street. But yet you guys want to go ahead and give a break once again to those that fucked up because they don't know how to run their business or they couldn't run their business effectively. Um, and I just, I, it's, I just want to, cool. I want to point out one more thing before we let uh, Lindsay back on what she was saying. But um, I, I read something today that like just kind of summed up my view on America right now. And that's if we just take the amount of money that the three top billionaires in the world have amassed since the beginning of the pandemic, meaning they still have every penny that they had going into the pandemic, there would be enough money to give every U.S. citizen $3,000 a month for the next six months. Shut up. Nope. Billions, hundreds of billions of dollars have been made in the pandemic by places like Amazon and oh yeah, um, Elon fucking Musk and uh, there was an wow. who who's the third? I can't remember who the third one was, but um, yeah, that was no, 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 he's off that list. Yeah, um, off the list. But yeah, but anyway, go ahead. That's crazy. That literally makes me like literally. I'm like. Because they would still keep making money. So it's yep. not like they'd be without. Exactly. But let me just close it out yep. saying this, because I don't think you're going to see much change. Um, like to be to be scared. Like, I don't think you're going to see much change in terms of government. Just like how, like I said, my mom grew up during for civil rights in the 50s and 60s. Like, and she talked to me one day and said, it's a lot like what was happening then. The feeling you're feeling now, that's how we felt then. Da, da, da. Politics always does this thing of like, where like the left becomes more moderate and then the moder the right becomes more moderate. It always is doing this shifting thing. But like how you're saying what's going on in parlor is scaring you people, then that's what you should also be doing on the other end of the spectrum. You've got to get your shit together. If you want change in this country, it's going to come from the people. I understand very well I'm going to get my ass in trouble running my mouth on these podcasts. But if you don't like what's going on over there, at least admire them for uniting and getting some shit rolling. You have to do the same fucking thing if you want to see some change. Otherwise, you can enjoy your uh, $1,200 during the next round of the pandemic, because this is how it's going to be as it has always been. And I'll shut the fuck up. No, yeah. That's well, a mic drop, well, right? Preach. Mic drop, right? On say. that note, have a great <laughs> night, everybody. And uh, Merry Christmas. This is, it's almost Christmas time when this episode comes out. I think we have more Christmas. Do we have one more episode before Christmas? Maybe. Well, either way. Hey, we can have oh. an eggnog-filled booze talk. We can episode. absolutely say, though, happy Hanukkah, because that's happening right yeah. now. Yes. Yes. Happy Hanukkah. Much blessing. Love you guys. Don't take this the wrong way, but I need you to get the hell up out of here. Hey fam, 
Thanks for joining us again as we make our way through the trials and tribulations of the Freeman family. We hope to see you back again next week for The Block is Hot. Want to know where to find us on the social medias or where to subscribe to the podcast? Just head right over to www.theboondockspod.com slash links. Have a stupid white people question you want to leave us? Email us at host at theboondockspod.com or leave us a voicemail at 760-933-8636. That's 760-WE-3. Undo. Shout out to the artists who've created our intro and outro tunes. Our intro is hashtag make a change by K-I-R-K. You can find them on Spotify, iTunes, and Tidal. Our outro is Good Times by Audio Binger. You can find them on freemusicarchive.org and YouTube.